Have you ever met someone who was absolutely fearless? Do you know that one woman who is 100% herself, 100% of the time? Do you have that one person who is the definition of tenacious? She's digging in, she's getting things done. And maybe you've seen her and you've always wanted to be her. Good news, you already are her. You just need to believe it and cultivate it. Today on the Think Tank of Three, we have a special guest, Dr. Terry Hackett, to talk to us about how to show up as authentic, fearless, and relentless in our professional and our personal lives. You've made it this far in your career, but is something holding you back from getting to the top? We're ditching the culture of competitiveness. We're women working together to help other women. We are Think Tank of Three. I'm Audrea, your business development coach. I'm Julie, your digital marketing strategist. And I'm Catherine, your media and public speaking expert. Three women from different backgrounds coming together to empower, support, and encourage other women professionally and personally. Let's do this together. Welcome to the Think Tank of Three. I'm Audrea Fink here with Julie Holton and Catherine Janicek and our special guest, Dr. Terry Hackett, who is here to talk about banishing imposter syndrome and being fearless. This is a great topic. We are really excited to have Dr. Terry join us. Dr. Terry is the partnership director at Equal Opportunity Schools, and her entire career has been based on advocacy and support of students of color. She believes all students can go to college and be successful if they're provided the tools they need. And Dr. Terry should know, she has quite the list of credentials. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in English from Spelman College, a Master's of Education from the University of Central Oklahoma, and a PhD in Higher Education Administration from the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Good morning. Hello. Dr. Terry and I met through the Leadership Tomorrow program that we just finished in Seattle. And I made this comment in front of her, silly me, my mistake, won't do it again, about being a little shy about promoting this podcast. The podcast had just started. And while I was super proud of it, I felt a little bit like an imposter promoting it. And Dr. Terry was not having it. She basically signed up right then and there to promote the podcast to everyone in the program even though she hadn't listened to it, uh, not even a second of it. And then she took on the role of my friend and life coach and basically forced me to promote it myself. Um, she's a force to be reckoned with and fearless. It was wonderful talking to her because she basically said like, why are you scared? What is this imposter syndrome? Like, what are you doing? Like, knock that off. You, you're doing the thing, therefore you're the expert in the thing, let's go. So I thought, who better to talk about imposter syndrome than a woman who has never had imposter syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> because she's a badass. So I really want to dig in to how she got to where she is in her life, being confident, being fearless, and have her talk to us about how we can work on that a little. But before we get started down that path, Dr. Terry, can you talk to us just a little bit about what you do and um, sort of your ethos on where you work? Sure. Again, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to do this with you today. I work at Equal Opportunity Schools, an education nonprofit based in Seattle, Washington. And what we do is we work to close the equity gap of students of color taking AP courses. So we go in and we talk to the schools and school districts and say you have wonderful students of color and low-income students who are not currently taking AP courses that should be and they will be successful. We help them find the students and then give them the tools to support them so that they can be successful and move on to higher education or whatever their goals are in life. 
I love it. So not only are you empowering us today in this podcast, but you're also empowering students of color down their educational path. I think that's awesome. Dr. Terry, earlier, Audrey mentioned that you are a force to be reckoned with and that you're fearless and you're relentless. Can you define what you mean by, you know, what your definition of being an authentic person, being fearless and a relentless woman? When you talk about being fearless and relentless, I am both of those things, but it doesn't mean that I've never been scared. I didn't really understand what imposter syndrome was when we had this conversation. She had to explain it to me because I didn't know what that meant. What does it mean to not, I didn't understand what it meant to go to work and feel like you shouldn't be there or, or what you were doing, you were being an imposter. So for me, as a person who was who knew from a very early age what I wanted to do and how what I needed to do to get there, I just quite simply did it. And if it's the right thing to do, I'm going to be absolutely fearless in it. That's just plain and simple. Now, it doesn't again, it doesn't mean that I've never been scared. When I've had to go up against parents who were like, I'm going to take your job. Yeah, I was scared because I didn't want that to happen. But I also knew that what I was doing was right. And if it was right, then you just have to stand in it. You have to show up every day on your job and give 110%. And quite frankly, that's just really all that there is to it. And for those people at your job who don't feel like you should or you shouldn't, you can't deal with that because an opinion is just an opinion. That's really all that it is. So I think you should be the same every day when you come to work and your adjustment is in if you're being too much of something. So recently, for example, um, wanting to move a little bit more into management, I have a very high bar of where I think people should be. And I was told I need to bring that down a little bit. So, okay, that's fair. That's fair. My expectations might be a little bit unrealistic. So I'm okay with that. But it isn't, doesn't mean that I'm not my authentic self. How did you deal with that? So how did you go from, if you're you know, more of a perfectionist, or how did you tweak that? Because that's a really important thing that you tweaked and, and it, make, it may have made you a better manager. I know it's something that I dealt with in my past. So how did you do it? How did you overcome that? So one of the things for me is this being aware that that needs to happen. So in my mind, I'm saying, okay, Terry, you have to do better. You have to stop and think more about, we had a conversation and they shared some things with me. So, and I took some notes. I'm like, okay, so these are the things that I need to pay attention to. I'm not changing as a person. I'm not changing as Terry, but okay, Terry, you need to bring the dial that back in. And I can do that because I think that that's fair. It's fair that, you know, from the way that I was raised, the people who've been around me, my expectations of people are maybe unrealistically high because for me, people's expectations of me are unrealistically high and I've always reached that. That's your authentic self. <laughs> right. And I also tell people, um, I try and mentor the people who are around me and say, okay, you need to look at it this way and you need to think about it that way. I don't deal with microaggressions. When people express microaggressions towards me, I'm going to say something about it. I'll give you two quick examples. One, it was my turn to clean out the refrigerator at work and I'm cleaning out the refrigerator and I'm just raising hell because I'm like, why does the refrigerator look like this? Because my expectation is that adults know how to keep a refrigerator clean. Another podcast. <laughs> Someone comes in and says, are you going to do the floors next? No. So yes. sorry, this, there's this like quiet pause because literally all of us drop our mouth and stare. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are, yeah, that's why the pause. Collective disgust. <laughs> wow. So I was like, wait, hey, oh, but I didn't mean it that way. I would have said it to anybody who was cleaning out the refrigerator, but you said it to me. And I'm an African-American woman and you don't do that. 
You just don't do that. Example number two, a lady at work, you know, we get freaking flyer miles. I travel a lot and you have status and you guys know how that works. And one coworker and our boss were trying to work out her reimbursements and they weren't seeing eye to eye. And once my boss walked away, the other lady turned to me and said, she just doesn't understand because I have status. And so things are different when you have status. And she's like, don't worry about it, Terry. You'll get status one day. (laughs) Nice assumption. And I was like, bruh, what about me gives you any indication that I don't already have status? Oh, well, I didn't mean it that way. And I didn't, and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And the tears, I don't do any of that. And I want to peel that layer back a little bit because I think for some of our listeners, they're hearing this and they're they're coming up with some example in their mind or maybe multiple examples of when this has happened or continues to happen to them. So how do you kind of dig in deep to your authentic self and really find the right words, not necessarily the words we want to say, but the right words to really take back that control or that power and stand up for yourself in a situation like that? Thank you for the question. And I appreciate you saying the right words. And for me, it is this, it is, I'm going to be direct. I'm not going to be rude and I'm not going to be disrespectful, but I'm going to be direct. And so what I said to her was your condescending white privilege was unnecessary at least and inappropriate at best because your assumption that I don't already have status is insulting to me as a person. Oh, well, I just said that because I didn't have status and I didn't understand how it works. And now I do. And okay, but that doesn't have anything to do with me. And what you said was wrong. And you taught her something that maybe she had no idea giving her that hopefully I, she had no idea what she was saying. You know, I don't, I don't know, but I, it's, it's a wonderful thing that you did say what you said, because maybe just maybe she won't repeat that. Absolutely. So Again, microaggressions is a whole nother podcast in and of itself as well, because in my career, after I left K-12 and went back to school to get my PhD, I moved into higher education. And after a brief stint in at Seattle Central Community College, I then moved into working at historically black colleges and universities. And the whole rest of my career has been at it prior to now has been in a historically black college and university. Again, when I started working at Equal Opportunity Schools, I didn't know where microaggressions were because I work with Black people all the time. So that had to be explained to me. And while it's not that I've never experienced it, I just didn't know that it had a name. Maybe I should say it that way. But moving back to Seattle and, and, and living here and working at Equal Opportunity Schools and experiencing the microaggressions that I have, you're right. And sometimes people aren't 90% of the time, let's just say people don't mean it that way. But still, you have to stop and think about what you're saying and what you're doing. You just have to. In the world that we live in now, you have absolutely no choice but to do that. And no excuse either. There's no excuse. I mean, let's, let's just be real and call it what it is. If someone's naively saying things that they shouldn't be saying, there's no excuse for it. There isn't. And so I'm not going to give you a pass on that. That just simply isn't going to happen. And so that's about being your authentic self. Other people might say, oh, so-and-so said this to me and they say it to someone else, but they don't say it to that person. I'm not built that way. So I want to dig into this authenticity a little bit. Um, You and I have talked, I think in the past, and and you've coached me on sort of how to approach this, but I think a lot of women struggle with how do I show up authentically in a professional setting? How do I call out behaviors that are maybe problematic? And how do I 
even if I'm not calling out be problematic behaviors, like how do I show up in a way that is fearless and relentless? How do I be authentic in that, in, in a workspace where women are so frequently asked to be quiet or to step back? So it's the same as when you, when you applied for your job, you sat down in front of a group of people or a person and you interviewed for this job, that you, the job that you have, but you also interviewed them as well. So I think it's about getting to know the people that you work with, um, looking at where you work, and then saying, I have a right. It's just like when I work with the kids. My whole thing about the work that we do is students of color have a right to take an AP course. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, AP courses don't, AP people don't think that. They don't think that students of color have that right, that it is most definitely a privilege to take an AP course. So the same thing for your job is, is if you've received a job, you have a right to be there. And so when you talk about a woman yelling at work, if a man does that, he's strong and he's getting his point across, but if a woman does it, she's emotional. Mm -hmm. It's not fair and we know that. So you have to learn how to work with that on your job and you also have to be able to call that out. Now, first of all, you shouldn't be yelling at work, but if the, if the, <laughs> if the situation gets there, right? Right. Have to be the person to say, hey, wait a minute. This isn't about me being emotional. This isn't about me being a woman. This is about whatever is right or wrong or whatever the situation is. And that's what you stand in. I think it's it's about you standing in who you are and your truth and and your worth and what's right. Because if something is right, it's just right. That's just all there is to it. And you always have that to lean on, and that's your shield. And if someone says that it isn't right, you've got to be able to prove that it is. And you, you also can't be afraid to, because here's my thing about work. It is in fact that it's work. When I leave there, it's there. I have a whole completely different life over here. And I also was taught to never be afraid to lose your job. So I think that that's the other piece is that you cannot be afraid to lose your job if you lose your job for something that's right. I love, Dr. Terry, that you are working with children and teenagers because when you talk, you just exude this, not just confidence, but this, um, this fairness, this social justice fight for the little guy, or in your case, fighting for these students who deserve what other students receive. And so I love, first of all, that you're working with children, but I want to talk about this fearless, this idea of being fearless, because you have that, I can tell, you have it built in you that you are just always going to have that fight in you. You want things to be fair. You want that social justice. I think that's probably ingrained in who you are. For other people, for our listeners who are listening in and they want even just a little dose of, of that, of you in them, let's talk about being fearless. How do you go about um, standing up for what you believe in without being afraid of losing your job or without being afraid of what someone's going to say back to you or how they might judge you or how they might respond to you? Can you talk to us about that fearlessness that you have? Sure. Let me also say this as part of being fearless. I, though you would never know it from this conversation, I am also a very empathetic and passionate, compassionate person. I also think that it's really important that you ground yourself in the people that are around you and that you always look to help someone else. So as I do the work that I do, it's always about the each one, teach one, you reached back and, and grab someone else because you didn't get where you were by yourself. Yeah. Right? So mm -hmm. you always have to go back and get someone else. Again, it was the way I was taught. It was the way I was raised. And so I think that 
the fearless piece is kind of part of who you are, who I am, but I also think that you can teach yourself to be that way. It's about looking in the mirror and saying, okay, this is what I want to work on. It's like, as they told me these things and I say, okay, I'm going to work on these things. One of the things that I say all the time is you write it on your bathroom mirror so that you look at it every day and then you work your way back from what it says on the mirror. So today I am going to stand up for myself, whatever that looks like. So I am fearless is what you write on your bathroom mirror and you need to, as it were, and you say that every day, I am fearless. And when you go up against that person at work, you have to remember that that person puts their shirt on one armpit at a time, just like you do. And that they can't do anything to you. And what I mean by that is that they can't do anything to you, that if you're not doing anything wrong, and if you're, you're right, you're just right. So maybe for a person who isn't like I am, then maybe they need to journal about it. Mm. Or maybe they need to look and find some quotes that help them feel fearless or some scriptures if, they're, if that's more appropriate for them that helps them to feel fearless. You gotta have something to help you feel that way if, you, if it isn't natural for you. I love the idea of like putting it on your mirror too. I know that a lot of times in therapy that we'll hear like, put it on your mirror, look at it over and over again. It's something you see the first thing in the morning. It's what you see right before you go to bed. And it's a reminder that a lot of times just saying the words is, is enough, right? You have to get that subconscious thought to mirror your conscious thought and your conscious thought to mirror your subconscious thought. And some of that is just reaffirming that message over and over again, right? Like if I tell myself I'm fearless and I spend time thinking about that, journaling about it, you know, reading on it, praying on it, whatever, I'm going to get to the point where that starts to be how I think of myself and who I believe I am, which allows me to then show up authentically as a person who is fearless. And sometimes I think it's just practice practice being who we are trying to be that gets us there. So one of the things is, as you, as you talk about writing in on the mirror or, or having some inspirational quotes and those kinds of things is exactly that. So what do you want? What is it that you're looking for? Is it to be able to go to your boss? Cause you have that boss that we see on TV that nobody looks at in the eye and you want to be able to do that. Do you want to go from the position that you're in into a different position that's more that pushes you. Whatever it is you want, you got to write it down on a piece of paper. It's not real if you don't look at it. And you have to find that truth before you can stand in that truth. You have Absolutely. to find who you are and who you want to be before you can just stand up and be it. Absolutely. Those are the kind of things I, that I think really work. So I really want to buy a house. That's on the mirror. Yeah. You know, that's on the mirror. I took the things that were shared with me as I, to help me move forward. Those are the things that I consciously work on. So the other day, someone sent me an email and my, before now, my response would have just been no. But now that I'm thinking about the things that were shared with me that I need to work on to improve me as a person, I sent an email explaining my no. Cause usually I'd have been like, no, and just kept it pushing. Cause none of us are perfect. and. I want to maybe move up, maybe I don't, but I also want to be a good employee and I want to be um, in as much as I want to be a team player that I would be a player. I mean, as much as I, I want to be. Right. I should <laughs> 110% every day, all the time, but I'm also like, there's some things that I'm just like, okay, no. 
Well, no. okay, so is, that's relentless, right? You talk about being relentless. And I have a question about that. Like I, you know, I can't, I haven't obviously experienced exactly what you've experienced, but as a woman, as a, as a woman in some newsrooms and in the workplace, I have been told to just, just let it go, Catherine. You know, um, when I am being relentless, and, and I didn't think I was being relentless. I just, I saw something that was needed or I was, um, oftentimes in my career, I'm the only, I was the only female in a room, in a boardroom, in a, it just making a decision for that day for, for what people would see, you know, working in television, what people would see in that market, in that television market. And I would have a voice and sometimes it was absolutely the outlier. And I would be told by my male managers, come on, Kevin, just let it go. And how do you, what do you do next? You know, when, especially when you feel like you're right. And I know looking back, I was the right voice in the room, but I was being told to let it go and, and basically giving a look like, you know, you need to be quiet or you're going to lose your job. So in that two things, one, that's where you have to, you know, you draw your line in the sand because sometimes there's some stuff you just have to let go. Sometimes we just, you know, you have to decide the sword you're going to die on. So some things you just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to keep that in the memory bank because as women, we never forget, right? Right, right. That over here in the memory bank. But the other things is that you push all the way as far as you can. That's number one. And then number two, if you are the only woman in the room, the song that you are singing is, I don't want to be the only person in this room. I don't want to be the only woman in this room. I shouldn't be the only woman in this room. And there should be another woman in this room so that you aren't alone. I think that sometimes people don't recognize the power that they do have on their job. They say, oh, I'm just a worker. I'm just a this and just a that. But that is simply is not true. Especially now, now is different than before, that there shouldn't be, you shouldn't be the only woman in the room. And so when you talk about people saying, just let it go, sometimes, yeah, you do. But other times, no, you don't. I can't imagine for you in that that high powered position and being facing five or six or 10 men and you're the only woman. And I understand when someone says, gives you that look and says, if you don't stop right now, you're going to lose your job. But are you really? Right. (laughs) Are you really? Because, you know, we live in a very sue, everybody sues all the time, but are you really, this is what you really want me to sue about because you're going to fire me because what I'm saying is right. We all know it's right. You just don't want to do it because it's me and you're going to fire me. And that's the key right there too, is it's like, wait a minute. Okay. If their last resort is to say, oh, Catherine, just let it go. Or I, I'll, I'll put myself in there. You know, there have been times in my career where, you know, I've done marketing for, um, for doctors. I've done marketing for attorneys. I've done marketing for people that have certain qualifications. And, and when their last resort is to say, oh, well, you don't have the qualifications I have. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That actually has nothing to do with the discussion we're having. When that becomes their argument, there is no argument. Absolutely. Right. It's just a cop out. This is a conversation I have. I work with attorneys and, and most of my attorneys are fantastic, right? But we definitely get in these conversations where they say, well, you don't know the law. And I say, but you don't know marketing, right? You don't know business development. You don't know marketing. Uh, you don't have an MBA in business. I do. That's why you hired me. That's why we're going to talk through this and argue. And, and I am lucky enough. So I think that is an important thing to state is if someone says to you, like, just let it go. And it's not a like, let it go because this isn't important. When they get to that argument, it's important for us to know the reason that they've thrown that out is because they don't have an argument anymore. 
I had a conversation yesterday with a brilliant attorney who kept telling me this makes me uncomfortable for legal reasons, but I know I hired you for your expertise, but I'm still uncomfortable. And I was like, great, we're going to sit in this uncomfortableness together because I'm uncomfortable with not doing it. You're uncomfortable with doing it. And we both have expertise. We're going to work together. We're going to come to a solution and a resolution. And that relentlessness meet on both of our sides, right? We're going to work together and we're going to get something that's better than what I could come up with on my own because I'm not going to think about the things you worry about. And it's going to be better than not doing anything because I'm going to make us do something. So I think that relentlessness and letting it go when you, when it doesn't matter is important. And when you do matter to know that at some point, if they're cutting down based on your accomplishments or your role, like it means that they, they don't have an argument. And I think that that's really, I loved what you just said about, okay, you're uncomfortable and I'm uncomfortable. And we're going to sit in this uncomfortable, uncomfortableness is really, really powerful as opposed to when she said to you, because the key in what she said to you was from a legal perspective, I'm uncomfortable, right? Uh-huh. And so that's kind of like, oh, you know, you say that, then you're like, okay, now wait a minute, right? But no, to stand and say, great, both of us are uncomfortable, let's get to where we're both comfortable is some of the things that we're talking about here when we talk about how to be relentless and, and when you get that look like if you don't stop right now, what are the consequences? Now, again, I, me personally, have never been afraid to lose my job, ever. And I haven't lost a job technically ever for any reason like that where I, there's only one job that I lost where I didn't, it wasn't on my own terms. But that was a situation that I don't really count because whatever. But because I just really feel like as long as what you're doing is right, you're not breaking the law, you're not being unethical, you're not being true to who you are as a person, then just because somebody doesn't like it or just because somebody doesn't agree with it or they don't see the vision or whatever words you want to use doesn't mean that you're going to lose your job. Well, and even losing your job is not the end, right? So say you get fired. Okay, are they doing you a favor? What does getting fired mean? Fired means that the relationship that you show up for isn't working anymore. People break up, people lose their jobs. It's not the end of the world. Now there's some financial aspects to that. Yes. that I totally understand and that is scary. But this, I, this shame behind losing our jobs, I think we hold more than other people, right? Like I think women hold it more than other people. Like, oh, if, if I get fired, what that means is I'm not good enough and now I don't know how to like measure up moving forward versus I got fired because we had one particular, I had a vision in mind and they had a vision in mind and these visions did not work. It wasn't a culture fit or it wasn't a job fit or it wasn't a skill set fit. Like there's no shame in it. We need to stop shaming people for it. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And again, yes, being fired is probably in that situation, maybe a good thing because of the 47 other things that happened to lead it up to you being fired, for example. But it isn't even necessarily about so much about that. It is more about you being flat-footed and standing strong for yourself and looking forward and saying that this, it, it is what it is and this is what it is. And that you can't affect change. It's just like anything else. We can all affect change. It is you always have to, there is nobody else that you hold yourself accountable to than to yourself. Mm-hmm. And who you are as a person walking this planet. Yes. And you know, I also think that we need to stop shying away from having the difficult conversations. There is nothing wrong with conflict. In fact, 
marriages, relationships are actually better when we disagree with each other and then work through those disagreements. I mean, Catherine and I both worked in news for a long time. And one of the very last newsrooms I worked in, I had a news director pull me aside. He and I did not get along very well, to say the least. We, we butt heads a lot. And I remember at one point he pulled me aside and he said, you know, you really need to stop disagreeing with me in meetings. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. The whole point of having these editorial meetings is to get everyone's input. The reason why we have diversity in a newsroom, the reason why we have diversity in a workplace is so that we get everyone's input from different viewpoints, different vantage points, different ideas that come together and hopefully at the end of the, the meeting make us better people, providing a better product, a better service, a better business. And so we need to learn to have these conversations and these disagreements in the right way. I mean, they can't be shouting matches, they can't be, but we have to learn how to disagree and how to have those conversations, even when they're hard to do. Definitely. This has been so insightful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Terry. Before we go, we are collecting advice from successful women in our communities and sharing it out in our Think Tank forum. So we have three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Number one, is there a lesson that you recently learned that you wish you had learned earlier in your career? I wish I had learned earlier how to be a better manager. I was thrown into being a manager with no training and that has affected the whole rest of my career in various ways. So I wish I had learned how to be a better manager at the beginning of my career. Me too, me too. What advice would you offer to your younger self 10 years ago? I would have offered myself the advice of to be even more focused than I am now and how to budget better. (laughs) Yeah, I needed that, I needed that too. For a woman specifically, what is the most important skill today for a woman in the professional setting? To, to be true to yourself and to be fearless and to walk into a room and know that you have the right and you deserve to be there. Yes. Dr. Terry, can you share with our audience the best way for people to connect with you if they have additional questions or they want to talk to you and support the Equal Opportunity Schools? Sure. My email address at Equal Opportunity Schools is Terry at eoschools.org. My Facebook page is Dr. Terry, and I'm on Twitter. I'm DRTLJ99. Dr. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. That's all for this episode of Think Tank of Three. If you liked it, please share it. I loved this episode. Connect with us and our guests online. You just heard uh, Dr. Terry's information, so please connect with her. And you can connect with us at thinktankof3.com. We blog weekly. Please subscribe and you'll get an email alerting you when we have a new podcast or blog. And find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We're just Think Tank of Three. Be sure to join our private group on Facebook where we give and get advice freely. Just look for our group in the community section of our Facebook page. And if you liked what you heard on this podcast, please share it. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have questions or topics to discuss, send us a message at thinktankof3 at gmail.com. You've made it this far in your career, but is something holding you back from getting to the top? We're ditching the culture of competitiveness. We're women working together to help other women. We are Think Tank of Three. I'm Audrea, your business development coach. I'm Julie, your digital marketing strategist. 
And I'm Catherine, your media and public speaking expert. Three women from different backgrounds coming together to empower, support, and encourage other women professionally and personally. Let's do this together.